Hi, I'm Charlotte. I'm Gemma. Welcome to Pop Fiction. Today, because it's the first episode of season two, what, what? <laughs> We're back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're back. Um, we are going to be talking about a wonderful children's trilogy of films, Night at the Museum. <laughs> um, basically, the plot of this is Ben Stiller plays a guy who gets a job as a night security guard at the Museum of Natural History in New York, but there's a magic tablet that makes all the exhibits come to life at night. Which is, like, the greatest concept for a movie ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually wrote down in my notes, genius idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, spoiler alerts for the three movies in the trilogy, but let's get started. Yeah, I think, obviously, like what we were just talking about, the concept is, like, one of the best... Okay, <laughs> thank you for adjusting my mic. Uh, <laughs> the concept is just so good. Like, it's mm-hmm. so simple. You know, museum exhibits come to life, but you can do so much Yeah, with it's it. just such a cool idea. And also, like, how they play with it. Like, how, um, like, stone statues will move compared to, like, wax sculptures. Yeah, or, like, they could have stopped it as just, like, wax figurines coming to life, mm-hmm. just u- done human actors, but they... And, I mean, they mostly do that in the first movie, aside from, like, the animals and stuff and the T-Rex, but, like... And uh, the <laughs> Easter Island head. Yeah, but as the movies go on, they branch out so much more, like, in the second movie when they um, introduce using pa- doing paintings. Yeah, that you can go into paintings. Yeah. That's such a cool idea. And all the different, like statues and sculptures and like in the second one since they're in the Smithsonian like there's all the pop art going around like it's really cool yeah and then the third one they went into the crazy painting with all the stairs the Escher yes (laughs) which was so genius it was like a great set piece yeah um yeah it's just it's a great idea and because they're kids movies there are so like the plots are kind of dumb and sometimes I wish they didn't lean so heavily on the emotional side of things. Like, every movie is basically like, oh, Ben Stiller has a problem with his kid. And it's like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. You know? um, I just want straight up action nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> you know? My two complaints, uh, like, my two major complaints, if you can call them that, about this movie, these series of movies. First of all, the humor can be childish. Like, there's yeah. a lot of, like, bathroom humor going on, but, like, this is a kid's movie. So and, it's like, like, it's not like it's not funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just have to, like, chill out, you know, and yeah. just sort of lean into it. But mm-hmm. it's a children's movie, so that's going to be in there. You can't really complain yeah. about that. And the second thing, every movie is functionally the exact same. <laughs> yeah. Like, that you do the exact same plot, the exact same jokes, like... Yeah. But they just set it in a different museum. But you know what? That's great. Like, and I mean, they're a little different. They, <laughs> yeah. they, it's like they have the same emotional beats and stuff, but they change things up. But it's like, so what? You know, who cares? It's yeah. night at the museum, you know? Yeah, I mean, what I like about these is that a lot of kids' movies are just, like, straight up bad. <laughs> and it's like, if you're an adult, there's no reason why you would want to watch them. But night at the museum is actually well done and... I mean, I'm not an adult, but, like, you know, not a little kid. I, I still enjoy them, and it's, like, it just makes me happy, you know, and they're nice. And yeah, they're I think a major part of it is just, like, being friends. Like, I really yeah. like, in the first movie, a major part of it is that Ben Stiller has to become friends with everybody in the museum yeah. in order to, like, stop Dick Van Dyke and everything. <laughs> yeah. So it's not just, like, 
oh, action, whatever. Like, it's about the relationships yeah. between everybody And sometimes there. The, that content just gets into irritating mm. territory. But most of the time, it's just like, ah, they're friends. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can just go one by one and discuss each of the films. So the yeah. Also, that reminds me, um, I looked it up in the Escher painting with the stairs is called relativity okay <laughs> yeah um so the first one the plot is just that like he gets this job and he's like oh my god everything's coming to life at night this is so this is a big problem for me <laughs> and it's just like basically him trying to get everybody on his side and yeah. so this one i'd say is the best in terms of just like technical quality um but I don't like it as much because it spends so much of the movie setting up the plot and, like, the fact that they come to life at night and then him trying to become friends with everybody. But in the next two movies, they already know each other, so you can kind of just get into the yeah, action. Yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. I think both... You can make an argument for both the first one being the best or the second one being the best. I think I like the first one more, like you said, because it's technically superior because, like... They're all good, but like as you rehash the basically what is essentially the same storyline mm-hmm. over and over, like things get diluted. But I yeah. think for me, the first one is just like I don't really know how to describe. Like it's the first one. Like it yeah. has has this space. Like it was like, and I like how they have to establish everything and sort of like bring in all the characters mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. stuff. And I I like that it's sort of like a smaller scale too. If that makes sense, yeah, it's more yeah. like self contained. Mm-hmm. I think all of the movies have great stuff about them. Also, I mean, the first one, the, like, emotional plots are a little more irritating. Like, the whole the subplot with the woman who works at the museum and she's trying to do her PhD on Sacagawea <laughs> is just, like, it's dumb, you know? Yeah, especially because she's like, oh, I've been working on my PhD for so long, but there's not enough information, so I'm just going to give up. But it's like, first of all, like, you've been working on this for years, probably, so I feel like, don't do that. And also, and you can't s- cite... A wax figure of Sacagawea <laughs> coming to life and telling you things as a source. Yeah, no matter what she tells you, unless she tells you, go to this, like, go look at these, uh, you know, primary sources, these documents, because there's information there, mm-hmm. like, that's not going to help you, and probably it's going to make it worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. You, you'll, you like, unconsciously put stuff in there that the wax figure of Sacagawea coming to life told you that can't actually yeah, is a verifiable like fact. So. Academia doesn't work like that. You <laughs> yeah, know? I remember the first time I watched this movie, like, um, I don't remember a lot of the details, but our mother had to have been there because I remember, and like for the audience, at that point she was working on getting a PhD and she was like, when that happened, she was like, oh my god, this is so <laughs> stupid. That's not how it works, yeah. you know? And also... This movie, kind of the emotional arc, is that, like, Ben Stiller's divorced and he's trying to impress this kid because, like, he's always kind of been aimless, floating from, like, one ambition to the next. And it's like, sure, but, like, who cares? You know, we've seen that before. Yeah, um, I don't think though. At least I don't think it's terrible. Yeah. I think it's just pretty by the book. It like, definitely, definitely. They didn't... I don't think they put a lot of thought into that. It was just like, okay, he's sort of alienated from his kid and his yeah. ex-wife, so it's like he's got to, yeah. you know, deal with that. But, but the good thing about that <laughs> subplot 
is that we got to see the cameo <laughs> of Paul Rudd as his ex-wife's new boyfriend, <laughs> which is truly iconic. Yeah, was he a Bond trader? Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. had that belt with all those pictures on it. Yeah, I love Paul Rudd. He's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> he was just, like, saying nonsense words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, um... I think something Night at the Museum thrives on is, like, bringing in new minor characters played by famous comedians, um, <laughs> which is something I that's enjoy. Like a, that's, like, a staple of every children's movie, though, like, especially yeah. the animated ones when you find out how stacked the yeah. cast is. like, even though I know that Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> is in the B movie, like, once a week I remember that and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> you allowed that to happen, <laughs> you know? Um, so what I was gonna say was... Yeah, I was reading, um... The, I was reading a book recently that was about jazz, and every time they mentioned jazz, I was just thinking about in the B movie, Jerry Seinfeld, the B is just like, he, he likes jazz, and that's part really of it. Really, I don't it's like, it's like a meme thing, so every time I read it, I was just like, God, Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, that's crazy. So yeah. what I was going to say was, this movie has some good minor characters, like Ricky Gervais as, like, the museum director or whatever. He's very funny. <laughs> yeah, um, I love how he just trailed off all the time. Yeah. Like, he would start shouting at Ben Stiller, and then he couldn't figure out what he was going to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you mentioned this, but the v- main villain <laughs> of this film is Dick Van Dyke, plus two other old guys, <laughs> which was very funny. And I like the old guy who was always calling Ben Stiller like <laughs> like food, like yeah. it was like cupcake or like like snack shack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, Butterscotch. That, that trio was iconic. Yeah. Um Yeah. Um what else? What else? Um, Sacagawea obviously is an icon. I love the bit where <laughs> they're like tracking Dick Van Dyke and the other guys. And she's like, oh, well, they drove off this way, but then they, um, they like, lost control. They, they lost control of the vehicle, and they're like, how do you know that? And she pointed to where the car wreck was, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, I like genius. that because, like, obviously, the Native American tracker is, like, a huge stereotype. So I liked that, like, obviously, Saga Dewey was a tracker <laughs> in real life. Like, that's yeah. what she did, but I liked that they poked fun at that, and then we, like, you know, she was a lot smarter than the rest of them. Yeah, she, she, she could she look, like, and she looked at what was around her, and was like, "Oh, the car just crashed over there." Like. Yeah, she was clearly the smartest, and also, a lot of this trilogy of films, especially the first one, it's just Ben Stiller making bad decisions. <laughs> and it's like, bro, yeah, honestly, why don't you critically think about the situation? Honestly, <laughs> it wouldn't be as fun of a movie, but I don't see why, like. Obviously, the museum closes before the sun sets, right? There yes. has to be, like, a grace period between mm-hmm. that that he could go around and, like, lock up all the animals and stuff yeah, yeah. before they came to life and started attacking him. Like, what are you doing during that time? You uh-huh. know, just, like, just sitting there? And, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like he could have been a lot more proactive about that. Yeah. Um, okay. Now we need to mention the two greatest characters in this film series. Yes. Um... Owen Wilson and Steve Coogan as Jedediah the Miniature Cowboy and Octavius the Miniature Gladiator. He's um, a Roman centurion. Roman <laughs> centurion, sorry. Um, <laughs> simply iconic, hilarious at every turn, greatest enemies to friendship example ever. 
Um, Owen Wilson and Steve Kirkin's Greatest Roles. Yeah, it's so... <laughs> first of all, anything that involves miniatures is a huge plus. Like, yes. obviously, I'm reminded of, you know, the iconic line from Hot Fuzz, you want to be a big cop in a small town, <laughs> F off of the mo- model village. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anything with miniatures, huge plus already. Then the miniatures come to life, and it's Owen Wilson and Steve Coogan, and they hate each other, but then they learn to work together and yeah. develop this, like impenetrable bond yeah like <laughs> yeah and i mean steve coogan he his character is played more straight like he's more just like there but <laughs> owen wilson is hilarious in these movies like just the things he says <laughs> and when they're trying to kill ben stiller by ramming that miniature train into his head. <laughs> yeah uh, actually i was just on the imdb page for the first movie reading trivia yeah Apparently, Owen Wilson's role was just going to be a cameo, and that's why he's actually not credited. He's not credited? That's Probably crazy. for the second one. Cause no, like I mean, I, th- I think he is. I remember but that. But in the first one, he's not credited because his role was meant to just be a cameo, but everybody was like, this is great. we got to do more of <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, like, they're like the role. funniest part yeah. of the whole film. Um, and then also you get the gags of him and Steve Coogan, <laughs> like, doing things and it's like they're screaming and stuff and then it pans out because they're mentors you can't hear yeah. and then pants back in then and they reuse that joke like five times but like it's so funny it like, never gets old they yeah, use it every single film and I love it every time yeah it's really good yeah <laughs> yeah so the first one is good because like it's it's important for setting it up and like it has good side characters and stuff but um, the second one is my favorite, so if you want, we can move on to that. Uh, I just want to say, um, what? <laughs> no, I guess I get, I'm just looking at my notes. I'm yeah. trying to remember if I had anything else to say about it. Um, yeah, no, we can move on now. Okay, <laughs> so the second one, Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian. I would just like to talk a little bit about it because it's my favorite. Yeah, of course. So the plot of this is, um... All of the um, characters, you know, the wax figures and everything, are being shipped to the Smithsonian to be put into storage because, like, nobody goes to the museum anymore, <laughs> whatever, which is, like, not true. <laughs> but, like, whatever. So, I do appreciate how this movie is just sort of, like, an ad for going to the museum. Yeah. Like, at every point, they're like, you know what? Going to the museum is cool, actually. It's yeah, like- it's like those series of ads where it was like, actually, being a chartered professional accountant is a super sexy profession. <laughs> yeah, so, but then um, the tablet that brings everybody to life also goes to the Smithsonian. And then um, Rami Malek's older brother, Hank Azaria, comes to life and he's like evil and trying to uh, get I've it. I've forgotten about Hank Azaria. <laughs> yes, and then like, Ben Stiller and everybody has to go and, like, help out or whatever. And this one is my favorite because um, it has the best side characters, which we can get into in a little yeah. bit. Um, but And in, it develops the kind of mythology and lore of the idea really well. But also I just like it because we already know these characters. We already know their dynamic. So the film is basically just nonstop action, you know? Yeah. And it's like... It's a lot more fun, a lot more fast paced than I the I really first like one. what they do with the um like you said, like the lore, like mm-hmm. how they it's not just wax figures anymore, like they expand who's coming to life in yeah. such 
Oh, like oh, way more. Like they just expand it way more. Yeah, and they like show what all we were these different about, types like, with the of exhibits that are coming to life. Yeah, so it was just it's cool. Um, Abraham Lincoln coming <laughs> to life because like they're in Washington. So yeah, like, I like how it's like that was fun. I like how it's like every museum, and it's not just like the museum. It's like the gift shop too, because like a lot of Einstein bobbleheads. Yeah, are in and it. it's always super cool when like they leave the museum and they're running around. And everything's just like coming to life around them. Like it's super cool. Yeah. Um, so let's discuss the side characters because <laughs> I feel like in this one they're the funniest. Um, Brunden. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon um, is a security guard played by Jonah Hill, who is just arguing with Ben Stiller, and he is so funny. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it's and like, it's oh, I thought this was a free country. It's like, no, it's not. It's not. No, it's the United States. Of don't touch us right in front of you. <laughs> yeah, it's like I will literally rent a camper van and drive across America with uh, my flashlight on your chest. <laughs> Yeah, like, that was, like, legit hilarious. Yeah, like, that just scene was so well written. It was so funny. <laughs> and then, as I mentioned, Hank Azaria as Rami Malek's evil older brother was very funny. Um, <laughs> as, like, the, you know, over-the-top camp. Yeah, I, li- I liked how he kept, like, being really dramatic and everybody would be like, okay, man, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, we get it. And also... Um, <laughs> All the different characters that came to life that he um, kind of enlisted to be on his team. Like, there was um, Napoleon and Al Capone. Ivan the Terrible. Oh, uh, yeah, Ivan the Terrible. Who was That was Christopher Guest, I think. Who's that? Um, he's the guy who's naming the nuts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think we've had show. this conversation yeah. before. That's pretty funny. Um, so they're fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't write this in my notes because I forgot, but... <laughs> yeah, wait, I'm just going to try and do a really bad impression of the guy naming all the nuts. Because okay. <laughs> I cannot do a southern accent, but we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> Pine nut, macadamia nut, walnut, uh, white walnut. I don't even know if that's a nut. I just made that up. <laughs> yeah, well, that was very funny. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. So, the side character I forgot to write down, but is iconic, Bill Hader <laughs> as General Custer was very funny and just made me lose my mind the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> when he's, like, brushing his hair. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, so, we're going to scream. We're not going to attack. And then we're going to attack. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I loved how we kept, like, coming up with all these terrible plans. And then Saika Julia would just be like, that's literally the worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fun dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> and um, sort of the main sidekick in it is Amy Adams playing Amelia Earhart. And her mm, character is kind of dumb because <laughs> she's just like, I'm in love with Ben Stiller, despite the fact that I'm way cooler than him. But it's also like, it's Amy Adams. It's fun. She's saying weird yeah, words from it's, the 20s. It's, you like, know? it's delightful. You know? Yeah. It's, yeah, the part when she's like, oh no, we're Jimmy Jacked, and Ben Stiller's like, what? And she said, I said, Jimmy Jacked, it's how I talk. And he's like, that sounds made up even for you. Yeah, like it was it was a little stupid, but they had a fun dynamic. Yeah, and I feel like it was less about her being in love with him and more just like she like she thought she, she was interested in him, so she was like, yeah, let's make out or whatever. Yeah, and also this one is good because kind of the emotional storyline is that like, 
Ben Taylor stopped working as a night guard and he became like an entrepreneur, but then he's like, actually, I'd rather do this. And that was like, it was nice. It was heartfelt. And it yeah, it kind of irritated. Time. It kind of irritated me, but like you said, it wasn't really the focal point yeah. of it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, my favorite of the emotional sort of arcs is the one in the third one, but that's just because the guy who plays Eric from Santa Clarita <laughs> died as his son. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. Um, <laughs> but also that plot was stupid. It, like, it was kind of dumb and yeah. contrived. And uh, I know we're going to get into it, but then so was like, well, you know, I'm the one who's paying for your college education, so you should go. It's like, I feel like if you were the one paying, you wouldn't want him to go, because then you would save, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, but exactly. Maybe that's just me. I don't exactly. know. Um, yeah, so I do... The Battle of the Smithsonian is my favorite. Um, it also has a... It develops the relationship between Owen Wilson and Steve Coogan more. Yeah, because, like, um, like, they are they are enemies for a lot of the first film, yeah. but the second one And also one they're is, not in it as much. Yeah, the second one is good because, like, they're friends, and you know, the ride or die. Yeah, and when Hank Azaria put Owen Wilson in the hourglass, which he so easily could have not been killed by, then, like, Steve Kirkin is going to rescue him. Yeah, and he's, like, and so oh, tender. Owen Wilson's, like, just leave me to die. And then Steve Kogan and Kirkin's, like, no. And he, like, smashes the glass with his helmet. It's yeah, like, it's, like, yeah, it's like, incredible. These guys, they love each other. Yeah. yeah. Um, though he, it, he so easily could have not been killed from that. Like, just, like, climb out of the sand. <laughs> You know, it's like I bet. Like I don't know, like how the con- like the construction of an hourglass, but like there's a hole for the sand to get through. So I'm just like I'm just gonna describe it to you. But I was a miniature cowboy, and I was stuck in an hourglass. What I do? So I'd get to the side. Mm-hmm. It's because the sand falls down in the middle, right? Yes. So you would move out of the way. Of the exactly. Sand. Like he's if the f- sand first coming down he's just standing directly <laughs> under it and it's like bro just move over it's supposed to be like it's loose sand even if you get buried under that you can crawl out of it it's like loose dry sand you can get out of that no problem yeah so I guess it's just because th- he's sad he's <laughs> like whatever I'll die here I guess yeah it's like just stand out of the way and then once the sand is all falling down even if it fills its way all the way up to the top of the thing, there's still a hole that you could go and put your head through. Yeah, like <laughs> you, it would be so easy to kill a miniature person. You do not need to put them in an hourglass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it was like a, it was like get fix a tablet for me or I will kill your friend. But it's like, because like it's a time limit. But I mean, still. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then you have the great scene where they get out of the hourglass. And they're running around stabbing people's feet. And, and then it's, it's so, like, like, dramatic and intense. And then it pans out and, and it's just people hopping around because their feet hurt. It's, like, yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. They did that scene already in the first one, but it's still hilarious. And they did it again in the second one when uh, Steve Coogan is running through the grass. Oh, yeah, <laughs> with the squirrel. And he, yeah. And yeah. he, like, tames the squirrel <laughs> and rides it into yeah. battle on a squirrel. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, he did that. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's the, the things you do for love, am I right? <laughs> yeah, also, so I mean, really, I think the second one is the consistently funniest. It has the best side characters, you know, nonstop action. I think it's the best yeah. out of all of them. Yeah, I like how. They get Abraham Lincoln just shows up and like def- like defeats the ar- the evil army or whatever, and then they just leave and like that's it. Yeah, like it's very easily wrapped up. They just like kick Hank Azario back into hell. And it's like, yep, that's fine. Yeah. 
Okay, well, is there any, uh, that's all my notes about it. Is there anything you want to say before we move on to the third uh, one? I just want to say, I like how in the first one they try to explain <laughs> how, like, Rami Malek can speak English and stuff, and, like, because he was in, uh, he was in, like, Cambridge or something, and it's like, but at the Hank area, they're just like, no, he's just Hank area. <laughs> like, they didn't put a lot of effort yeah. into it. They're like, if yeah, this guy is, like, not an Egyptian. He's like, he's not Egyptian. He's just, like, a Reiki. Ra- he's just Hank area, <laughs> but he's also, like, an Egyptian prince or whatever. It's like, you just got to fix out that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the lore of this film, like, with the powers they say the tablet has, like, it's incomprehensible. It's it changes not, every It's not seconds. consistent. Yeah. They didn't, like, write... They were, they did not write down the rules and, like, made sure they adhered to them. They were just like, you know, it would be so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like when it needs, when they need the tablet to do something, that it doesn't, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, so let's move into the third one because that's got more tablets. I mean, that's though. not really fair. I mean, it does have a, like, you know, it brings museum artifacts to life and then they, they for the night and then if they're in the sun, in the morning they die or whatever. But yeah. Like, but, I mean, in the third one especially, <laughs> it's like, what, you know? Yeah. So, the third one, Night of the Museum, Battle of the Tomb. It's the secret of the tomb. The secret <laughs> of the tomb. <laughs> Thank you. The plot of this one is that um, the tablet is decaying. so Because it hasn't been in the moonlight, which yeah. is like... How long were Dick Van Dyke and those other two old guys working there? Because it had to be, what, like 20 years or something? Yeah. And then just now it stopped working? Like Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, dumb. It's like, I doubt he had ever been displayed outside or, like, next to a window. Because, like, yeah, I mean, you don't want to put old artifacts, like, anywhere where, like, the light can damage them. So I don't see how the tablet I had mean, ever gotten charged. But my interpretation of it was not that it needed to like be regularly charged but that it was just decaying for whatever reason and moonlight was just the cure i thought it was just like this had this had had to have moonlight every so often or this would happen yeah i don't know i mean like obviously these aren't like very well written like obviously this isn't like they didn't put a lot of thought and also just the fact that like to fix it you put a tablet in the moonlight like that's not that big of a deal really the big deal was that lancelot stole it you know yeah so anyways the plot of this movie is the tablet is decaying so they have to um go to the british museum where rami malik's parents are to ask them how do we fix this yeah um and the plot, the emotional plot line of this one is also kind of dumb because, as you mentioned, the kid, um, the guy who plays Eric on Santa Clarita Diet, um, is Ben Stiller's now grown-up son, and he's like, I want to go to college. I want to be a DJ in Ibiza. 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 Um, I was thinking to myself, Charlotte, sometimes you get Ibiza and Ithaca confused, so remember to say Ibiza, but then it just didn't go work. Um, which is, like, a pretty dumb emotional plot. Um, and also the whole thing with Lancelot trying to, like, steal it for no reason. I mean, the whole thing where he's, like, realizing that he's not real was, like, emotionally devastating. But it was also stupid at Yeah, the same time. and I feel like, obviously, everybody else that we've seen who's come to life has been coming to life for a lot longer than he has. But I feel yeah. like... Everybody else got a hand, had a very, like, had a handle on it. Even in the Battle of the Smithsonian, like, 
when you see with Amelia Earhart, like, when she chooses to, like, fly back even though she knows, like, she's gonna die. Like, yeah. she knew after one night that she wasn't real, and she had a handle on that, and she could mm-hmm. accept it, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, know. it's just... The in, the need for, like, characters to, like, philosophically grapple with it is, like, this is a kid's movie. Like, just relax. Yeah, like, honestly, it is insane to think about mm-hmm. it. It's like you're a person from history, but also you're only conscious every night. And it's yeah. like, and now you live in the future. It is sort of insane <laughs> to think about, but, like, this isn't this place to think about it. Like, this yeah. is Night at the Museum, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, also, in this one, I felt like the side characters were less good. Like I said, Lancelot was kind of irritating. And Rebel Wilson was funny, but she didn't really have a lot to do. And then beyond that, it's like, that's it. Like, you never, yeah. they didn't really bring in anybody new to make Yeah, it usually, fun. usually, like, there's new people at the museum, but they mostly just had, like, the sculptures and stuff coming to life instead of, like, actual exhibits. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I think, I mean, maybe it's just, like, the British Museum has more, like, artifacts and stuff as opposed yeah. to, like, wax figures. And like, also, like, know. it doesn't make sense, though, about Lancelot, because, like, when they he- meet him, he's in a suit of armor, and then yeah. he's, like, like <laughs> they would never have made a wax replica of somebody who's like doesn't exist like somebody who's like folklore and Uh then put him (laughs) inside a real suit of armor like that would never have happened it's incomprehensible (laughs) oh there's the other side character of the um neanderthal kid who looks like a (laughs) prince and thinks he's his dad like that was kind of funny it was funny for an extent like every time they came like they were on screen together and you're like okay yeah yeah but it just went on for like it just went on and on and on and it's like yeah we get it he thinks ben stiller is his dad like okay that was sort of funny how he and rebel wilson did the whole dirty dancing (laughs) thing like that was kind of funny yeah like it wasn't like hysterical or anything like it wasn't even that good it was like sensible chuckle (laughs) yeah um it's like, and I've had the slime of my life, and I all went all to goo. Yeah. Also with the Hugh Jackman cameo, that was funny. Oh, yeah. He played him, um, like... He played himself. No, but he was playing Lancelot in a play. He was play. playing King Arthur in he a play. He was playing King Arthur in a play. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, your name's Hugh Jackman. <laughs> um... <laughs> also, there was some nice Owen Wilson, Steve Coogan stuff. Where when they like, were in Pompeii. Yeah, and then all the other miniature people were running away, and they're like, hmm, wonder what that's about. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no brain cells. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it was also kind of dumb how we were, they were like queer baiting Steve Coogan. It's like, what's the point of that? Yeah, and like how he was like into Lancelot, right? Yeah. It was like, it was just a really bizarre thing to have happen, especially because yeah. it's just like, what was the point, you know? And it was just, like, this weird insinuation where he's like, oh, Lancelot is so hot. It's like, why? Yeah, it was just dumb. It's like, this is a kid's movie. Okay, we don't need to have all this deep stuff going on. Yeah. Um, I feel like because this was the last one, they kind of made tried to make it more deep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I will say it is, like, devastatingly sad how it seems like all the figures are just accepting their fate to die and stuff. And then, like, at the end... They're all having the party, but Ben Stiller's outside, and he's like, I'm not going to go in, and then just ends. It's like, that's so sad. Yeah, and it's like, these people were your friends, and you, like, l- spent, like, 
half of every day with them for years, uh, and now you're just going to be like, yeah, it's over now. That was really sad. I did not like that. Yeah, like, I feel like they were trying to wrap it up, so it was just, like, devastatingly sad, but it's like, it's why not about the emotions, it's about the shenanigans. Yeah, like, why couldn't they just have brought the tablet back to the museum and then just, like, yeah, and you're still going to be the night guard and we're just going to keep going with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was kind of dumb. Like, I felt like the writers had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, they probably didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was funny when Lancelot's nose was melting. But, like, like, for only for a little bit. And then yeah. they kept going on and on about it. And it's just like, yeah. But it was okay. kind of funny where he's like, don't look at my nose. Like, that was kind of funny. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, the third one, I'd say, was <laughs> the worst. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I still have And fun. also there was that whole part where they were fighting that, um... Oh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was, like, this Chinese sort of s- giant snake thing. Yeah. It was made out of stone, and then Ben so was like, okay, I'm going to save the day, and then he got it a defibrillator and, like, hit it with a defibrillator, but was like, it's made out of stone, so like I don't see... It does work? not have any sort of, like, internal organs that could be affected by you shocking it with electricity. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. I feel like the action in this one wasn't <laughs> as good, because it was just, like, they're being chased by, like, stone things. Yeah. That little creature that was trying to warm them with <laughs> the snake. That was funny. Yeah. They were cute. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. For the third one, I think it did best. I liked how they did the sort of, like, uncanny valley stuff with the statues. Like, that... Like, how they had, like, the room full of, like, Greek statues, and some of them were, like, missing arms or heads or legs or whatever, and they were all sort of clinking around making, like, those statue noises. Oh, that was yeah. cool. But, like... Yeah. But then they just did that... In the second one, when they find the bust of Teddy Roosevelt, and he's so mad because of the other Teddy Roosevelt, Robin Williams, has arms and legs. And rides a horse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he probably let his horse lick it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. Yeah. I, I love how they make the sounds of, like, the stone moving and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's really it's cool. it's good sound design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm especially reminded of in the second film when they meet the bust of Teddy Roosevelt and he's like, can you scratch my nose? And then Ben Stiller does it, like, the sound of him scratching his nose is, like, it was really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. I would say if I had to rank the three films in order from best to worst, it would go Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, the second one. Yeah. Followed by Night at the Museum, the first one. Followed by Night at the Museum, is Secret of the Tomb, the third one. Yeah, I would just do it in chronological order, so one, two, yeah. three. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just don't like how much time the first one spent setting up the plot. That's you know, fair. I want to get into it, because yeah. I already know what the plot yeah. is, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing um, I don't really like about it is I feel like... They set up all these characters um, in the first movie, and then most of them t- aren't, like, are only very minor characters in the other movies, because they're like, oh, here are these new exhibits at the museum. Like, right. even Ted- Teddy Roosevelt, aside from the statue, is, like, is not in the second movie, and it's like, he well, isn't he's in, in it for a second. Yeah, he's not in it in the third one for most of it, like... Sacagawea is just sort of, like, she has the back and forth sort of with uh, Bill Hader in the second one, but she doesn't really do a lot. And same with um, Rami Malek's character. Like, he's just there to stand around. Rami Malek's character is cute, and I like that he's just, like, smiling and having a good time. Obviously, at that point in his career, Rami Malek was not a very good actor. Like, yeah, (laughs) because, I mean, that's his film debut or something. Really? (laughs) Yeah, that's what IMDb said. Yeah, I mean, he. 
he didn't have a lot to do in the first two movies, and then the third one, they gave him some stuff to do, but he didn't do it very well, you know? <laughs> yeah, but that's I mean fair. Like, obviously, I can see why he's, like, I think he's probably, beca- I haven't really seen him in anything else other than uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and Twilight. I'm pretty sure he's he in Twilight. <laughs> yeah, he plays, um, he plays a vampire named... God, what is it? <laughs> I, I want to say Benjamin, but I know it's not right, so I'm just going to link it up. That is crazy. I did not know he was in Yeah, and life. he has elemental powers for some reason. <laughs> it's not It's not something that really makes any sense. <laughs> oh, it is Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. I mean... And he I and, uh, he and um, uh, uh, Jacob have this like, weird, sort of weird flirting thing going on. That's I don't fun. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I would say Romy Malik is a good actor. He was good. In Bohemian Rhapsody, like, obviously that movie has problems, but, like, he did a good job this with the character. <laughs> <laughs> this is Vampire Rami Ball. Uh, okay. <laughs> I love his dumb little scarf. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he was really good in Short Term 12, which came out pretty soon after, or around the same time as the later Night at the Museums, and I felt like he did a good job with that. And he was playing, I feel like, a sort of similar character <laughs> to um, his character in Night at the Museum, like, in terms of vibes. Yeah. Yeah, I think obviously he's become a better actor, but like you can sort of see why he doesn't have a bigger role in those movies because he's not a very good actor at that point. Yeah, I mean, who <laughs> knows? This maybe other it's photo. like. <laughs> I mean, he was in uh, he was in Mr. Robot, and that's like oh, yeah. prestige. So like, yeah, you I know? mean, I wouldn't say this early that like he's not in it a lot because he's a bad actor. I just feel like they didn't give him enough to do for really anybody to be good <laughs> at it. You know? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know, but um. What were we talking about before that? <laughs> uh, just that I didn't like how, like, the minor characters oh, yeah. um, from the New York Museum don't really have much of a role in yeah, the other movies. Yeah, that's true. But also, I mean, I like when they bring in new things because it's like Like, I do too. I feel like the, they could have just balanced it a bit more. Yeah, definitely. Well, plus, I mean, Owen Wilson and Steve Coogan were in it a lot. So yeah, I mean, of course nice. they were, right? <laughs> yeah, but... I mean, in the first movie, it was kind of stupid that Robin Williams was like, I'm in love with Psycho Joy, but I've never even spoken to her. But in the later movies, like, their romance seemed cute. It seemed like they respected each other. I liked how she other. was always, like, riding around on his horse. Like, they were always riding on his horse together. I <laughs> yeah. thought that was cute. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, it was like a... Oh. Sergeant Nicholas Angel. <laughs> Check out his horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I d- yeah, I don't like the oh, love. I love her. I haven't ever spoken her thing, but they did seem to have a good relationship. It was cute. Yeah, it was. And there wasn't a lot of drama, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I liked how since it was a kid movie, kids movie, they kind of kept setting up romantic subplots for Ben Stiller that never went anywhere. <laughs> like that was funny. Yeah, like with him and the PhD woman in yeah. the first one, and then with him. And Amy Adams, like, they kissed and everything, but, like, then she died. And yeah, <laughs> it was funny. Also, the Jonas Brothers cameo. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, that was really funny. As the Cupids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like this second one had, like, the best cameos and, like... You know Craig Robinson as the member of the Tuskegee Airmen. Oh yeah, stuff. I forgot about them. I like that too. Yeah, it was just yeah. And the the other Tuskegee Airmen who man who was always narrating <laughs> what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like sure these movies have a lot of problems, but yeah. they're just delightful. They make me happy. Sure, they're not gonna win any Oscars, but also like maybe they should. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I where's just, Owen Wilson's Oscar? I really like these? how like heartfelt. They yeah, are. I think a yeah. lot of times with kids' movies, at least nowadays, you get that sort of like they're very like 
ironic, like, we know this is embarrassing, shut up kind of thing, but, like, at the museum, they're like, yeah, we're doing this. Like, history is cool. Go to a museum, and we're just going to have a good time, you know? (laughs) Yeah, they make me happy. And it's just, like, it's very, like... legitimately funny. Yeah, and it's very lighthearted and, like... Oh, what's the word, like... It's like the opposite of mean spirited, like where it's like it's all in good faith kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's nice. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's not like you're like, oh yeah, that's sort of funny the whole time. Like it's laugh out loud funny. Yeah, like <laughs> Brunton. <laughs> uh, okay, is there anything else you want to say about uh, it, or shall we wrap it up? Yeah. Uh, just like yeah, I like it a lot. I'm glad we decided to watch all of them again you know yeah we like did a marathon it's sort of fun. like fresh eyes and like i liked it a lot like i said i really like the concept i think yeah. it's the sort of thing that you can play with so much mm-hmm. and it's a good choice for like a series of movies because it, you can open up the world in any way you yeah, want because like, like you go just go to, a to a, you just go to a different museum or like bring in a new exhibit or what yeah. have you yeah did you know they were based on a book oh that's cool yeah yeah. Oh, I also like to say I really like all the terrible CGI they have yeah, going on. Like, like it is so, so bad. Like it is so cl- like anytime Octavius and Jedediah are on screen and like other people are on screen, like it looks so bad. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you want a new tagline to that? Sure. Okay. You can go first. Okay. My tagline is you could say these movies are dumb, or you could have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, like, just have a good, just let it, just relax, have a good time, you know? Yeah, okay, what's yours? My tagline is, every movie should have a tiny cowboy and a tiny Roman centurion played by Owen Wilson and Steve Coogan. Yeah, imagine how good cinema would be as a whole. If, if that was, like, a popular trope, yeah. and it was just, like, a staple of filmmaking. Yeah. or, like... You know Dog May 95? No. Okay, so, <laughs> like, I would, again, I'm going to explain a lot to you about <laughs> this. You know the director Lars von Trier? Sort of. What did so, he do? Um, I don't know. It doesn't matter. So. <laughs> so, in the 90s, he was involved in this filmmaking movement called Dog May 95, which basically, are you paying attention? <laughs> I'm like, what movies he's, he's done. Well, I need to explain something to you, so can you pay attention while I tell you? Okay. Um... It basically it set out. Oh, he rules. did the house that Jack built. Yeah, okay. he set out rules for the movies you can make. Like it was stuff like you can't bring any props and you have to use what's there. You can only use natural lighting, stuff like this. Like it was kind of dumb. <laughs> that guy sounds like he'd be annoying to work with. <laughs> yeah. So so if we did something like Dogma '95, but it was um, Owen Wilson and Steve Coogan playing tiny cowboy and tiny Ro- Roman centurion in every movie '95. <laughs> like if that was a rule. Like it took a while to explain, but it was like it, it was worth it was worth it. So. It would have been funnier if you knew what Dogma ninety five was. Yeah, well, I pro- I will forget it, so <laughs> you'll have to explain it to me again I'm later. Sure. <laughs> okay, is that it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, bye everybody. Yeah, it's a good first, good first choice for first episode of season two. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>